0: Sweet. Speaking of the throne, let's go there. Are you glad we serve a God that's always there? Are you glad that our faith is in grace and not in ourselves, our hope? Take a minute and thank him for that, for being such a great father and a good God, a wonderful Savior. Jesus, we're hopelessly lost without you. And with you, we have everything. You're such a good Savior, taking us to such a wonderful Father, filling us with such a mighty spirit. We come to celebrate that through you and because of you and for you. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. All right, you can be seated. So I got to tell you a story I read last week. It's about... In fact, this guy that, he bought a, a racing horse. He spent a lot of money on this horse, came in dead last five races in a row. And the guy's disgusted, and I would be too. So the next morning, he went up to the horse and he got right in his face and he said, horse, I'm gonna tell you something. If you don't win today's race, I'm gonna sell you to the milk company and tomorrow morning at 4.30 a.m., you're gonna be pulling a milk truck. Do you understand me? He walked away hoping the horse would listened to him. Well, that afternoon, race time, Sure enough, to come to home stretch, his horse is in last place again, and the jockey's doing everything. He's whacking him and strapping him, whatever you call that, back and forth and back and forth, and finally the horse turns around and looks at the jockey and says, lighten up, would you man? I got to get up early in the morning. <laughs> I guess the horse was listening. Now listen, we've been asking each other for the last month or so around these parts, are we listening? We've been studying how God warned Israel and Warned that nation and they didn't listen. And then we studied about how he's warned the country and how we're probably not listening. And we've talked about how he warns the church and wonder if we're listening. And, and then last week we got pretty personal and started talking about idols and ask each other, Are we listening? This week I, I, we're finishing this thing up. So this week, okay? And I want to look at the prodigal son with you a little bit this morning, just a piece of it. And I know that's overdone. I probably. In 31 years here, preached preach the prodigal son six, seven times. I don't know, but there's, there's a little spot in the middle of it. And, and by the way, I don't know, five or six years ago, Kyle Eidelman wrote a book called Aha, all based on the prodigal son. And if you've not read that book for a while, it's, it's amazing. We did a Bible study on it, and it was good stuff. But anyway, I found this little section in there that I want us to key on this morning. It's Luke 15:11 through 24. And let me just read this, and then we'll talk about it. And Jesus continued... There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided up the property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed in the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. I love verse 17. When he came to his census, isn't that good? When he came to his census, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I know what I'll do. I must set out, go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and got filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said, What he had, remember, are ready to go, you know, what he'd rehearsed Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Quick! Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring in a fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. This son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. So they began to celebrate. Isn't that a great story? That never gets old, does it? So amazing. And the part I want us to key in today is that section between verse 17 and verse 20. He came to his senses, verse 17 says. And verse 20 begins, And so he got up. He came to his senses, and so he got up. I mean, there it is, family. It's exactly what we've been talking about for the last several weeks. God's warning, God's convicting, God's sending stuff. We come to our senses, it's time to get up. This is the biggest part of his story, and it's a bigger part of ours, too. This is the pivotal point of every sermon ever preached, every Bible study ever taught, every conviction that any one of us has ever had. The next step is, what are we gonna do with it? The prodigal son, came to his senses and he got up and unless his story is our story unless he came to his senses and he got up or she came to her senses and she got up then really nothing's gonna change and this has just become another one of those series where Cain just got carried away and started filling his arms you know every four or five years he gets into the hellfire and brimstone stuff and we hope that no visitors show up that time but he's just done it again I'm going to be real honest with you. This is the spot where way too many of us stall out. This, this place between getting brutally honest, coming to the altar like we talk about every week, and getting uh, open with God, confessing what's going on, and, and then taking some action. Way too often what happens to us is we get stuck between verse 17 and verse 20. How'd you do last week? If you're here last week, we ask everybody to come up and get to the altar and start identifying idols in their life, because we talk about how important that was. Did you do that this week? Did you work on that? I mean, I did last week, I mean, I had to. Uh, I can tell you, I, I, I identified three idols last week, and one of them was a big one, and it won't sound like a big one, it'd be like, it'd sound like something somebody says in church, because that's churchy and it doesn't sound real big, but it was big for me. It's brutal for me. I came up last week and was pounded by God. I've been worshiping the future. And I told the preacher buddies of mine on Thursday about that and they said, oh yeah, we, you're right. You, we've heard that in your speech for the last two or three weeks or two or three months. I've been worrying about if we're gonna get the church built when I have the money. I've been worried about what are people gonna say about Jimmy Kane? you know, he got 83 acres given give to him and he got this big plan and now, they, I've been thinking about retirement. I'll be 62 years in October. And retire for one day. I don't have a dime. So I've been thinking about that, worrying about that, stewing about that. And God reminded me last Sunday, What's the matter? You've been, you've been worshiping that. I told you to live one day at a time. So I have ruthlessly tried to beat that this week. And then there's some other items that, yeah, there's none your business. The other ones. Okay, but I've been working on those things too. See, that's how this works. That's what we do here on Sunday. We identify, we get honest, and then we take action. Uh, Kyle Adaman uses an example in the book about diet and exercise. He said people get their wake-up calls there quite a bit. And uh, he said, you know, you you get your shorts out for the summer and you start to put them on. They they won't buckle. Oops! You know, you go out to play with the kids a little bit, two times through the yard, and you're out of breath. Or are you watching, um, um, you know, Sports Center on TV, and Sports Center's over and you're stuck for 45 minutes watching the WNBA because you don't have enough energy to go find a remote control. You know what I mean? He said a buddy of his found out his wake-up calls. He was taking a shower one day, and when he got out, his wife saw him getting out of the shower and started laughing. That's a wake-up call, you know what I mean? <laughs> Kyle said his happened at uh, Starbucks. He went to buy a vanilla Frappuccino, and he said when he got his money out, a coin dropped to the floor, and immediately he started thinking, how big is that coin? Gives us a penny. I'm not bending over. If it's quarter, it's worth the exertion that's going to take— and he said he looked down and saw it was a dime. It took 15, 20 seconds to decide where to get up and get that coin. That's a wake-up call, and that's kind of funny, you know. What, what is not funny is when we spend week after week talking about these things, and we come to the altar, and we get brutally honest, and we stop minimizing our sin, and we stop uh, thinking about idols as being okay, and we get honest with God, because the next step is the vital step. What we do next is vital. It's immediate action. Because, you know, you think about it, if the prodigal son hadn't come to his senses and got up, the story would have never changed. He'd still be in a pig pen someplace, starving to death. And family, this is a reminder for every one of us in here today. If there's some place in your life where you're stuck right now between verse 17 and verse 20, it's time to wake up and get up. It's time to do something about it. That, I mean, that's why I'm preaching this series. He's telling me to tell you it's time to move. And, and some of you are saying, Cain, it's, you don't understand. It's complicated. No, it's not. It might not be easy, but it's not complicated. It's very simple. If God convicts you to do something then you do it, that's how this works. You want some examples? I'll give you some because I have a lot in my life. Maybe, maybe we are in a position right now where we're drinking a little more than we used to and we're noticing that, or we're taking Ambien too often, okay? Or uh, maybe we're smoking that thing that we shouldn't be smoking and we'd like to stop but for some reason we can't. When are we gonna come to our senses, get up and get some help? You know that relationship we're in that God's convicting us to get out of? When are we going to get up and get out of the relationship? When when are we going to get up and be a little more generous with our money, a little more generous with our time? That's what God said to do. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about getting up and doing something for the kingdom, doing something for your neighbors, for no recognition, no pay at all. Just because this is what God told us to do. When are we going to get up and fix the fight we're having with our parents or our kids or our neighbor? When are we going to get up and join the Bible study? When are we going to get up and set the thermostat spiritually high in our homes, dads? When are we going to talk to that person at work or in the bedroom next door to us in our very home that doesn't know Jesus Christ? When are we going to come to our senses and get up and do something about all the social atrocities that we see on the news media every day? When are we going to invite somebody to church? When are we going to start making disciples who make disciples in this church? When are we going to get up and crush the idols in our life that we've been talking about? When are we going to get up and take God's warning seriously and do something about it? I'm just telling you, I love you, and this is what I'm getting from the Lord. It's time for some of us to come to our senses and get up. It's time to wake up. You need it. The family needs it. The church needs it. Our community needs it. Three quick lessons and we're gonna finish this series and take a big sigh of relief, okay? Number one, here's what I've found out. Too many times, we make the mistake that everything will just work itself out. That doesn't happen very often. In fact, I'd say almost never. If you're like me, you watch the news. And this time of year, every year, it seems like things start to dry out in California. The Santa Santa Ana winds start to, to blow and we start getting wildfires. This is almost wildfire season. Well, several years ago, USA Today carried a news story by Scott Boyles titled, the Hesitation is a Fatal Mistake as California, California Firestorm Closes In. In this article, Sergeant Conrad Grayson reported he was so frustrated that people were not acting with a greater sense of urgency about the fires. He's begging people, get up and get out of here. The thing's coming, and when they come, it just sweeps over. And they weren't taking him seriously. They were packing their cars. They were watering things down the backyard, hoping the fire would go over. He said, I'm trying to convince these people if they don't move, they're going to turn into charcoal briquettes. Nobody would listen. John Smoldridge said he was going through his neighborhood begging people, get out, get out, it's coming, it's coming any minute. And he said the same thing. People were packing their TVs and packing their computers, packing their suitcases. He said they were packing like they were going on vacation instead of fleeing, evacuating a fire. And he said, listen, the ones who listened to me lived, the ones who didn't died. In fact, in that particular story, 24 people in that neighborhood died. They were warned the fire was coming. They didn't take it seriously, didn't take the warning. Again, man, what is it about us that keeps us from acting with a little more urgency about some of the things we're hearing from God these days? The prodigal son didn't just sit back and hope things changed. He didn't hope the economy made a turn or the, the drought went away. He, he put a plan in motion. I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to get rid of the idols. I'm going to go about the business of taking care of things with my dad. Verse 18, he went home. You saw what he did. And I'm just saying if there's a place in in our lives right now that needs change, and we've given it time to change, and it hasn't changed, then understand it probably is not going to change. So do something about it. Today, come to your senses. Get up here at the altar. Get down on your knees. Let God be brutally honest with you. You get brutally honest with him and leave it here. You can leave here without it, man. This is a prodigal father we're talking about. It's good stuff. Second thing I've noticed is at least we love to watch action. At least we're moving in that direction. We love action. We like to watch other people do it. Not so much us, you know what I mean? For example, I can uh, watch two or three home improvement shows with my family and then go out to the back to hook up the hose so she can water the flowers and my outside faucet leaks like a a sieve. It has for 10 years. I like to watch it. I don't know how to fix it, so I don't fix it, you know what I mean? I'll get Darren over there one of these days. Or, uh, you know, I'm coming home, Angie's gone for the night, and I'll stop and get a Pizza Express uh, with the little cups, with Cokes and all that stuff. I'm sitting down there eating my pizza, watching a gourmet cooking show. I like to watch it. I just don't, I don't like to cook. I don't know how to cook, you know? I remember watching an episode of Biggest Loser with Andrea several years ago. We went through a season where we watched that, and those poor people, man, brutally, exhausted, trying their best. And then when the show was over, Andrea got up to go get ice cream, and I said, bring me an ice cream bar, would you? Because I was too lazy to get my own, you know what I mean? That's how we get. And fellas, I don't mean to be nasty, but this is more a guy problem, I think, than it is a gal problem. And I think the reason for that is we love to watch action. We love action movies. We watch them over and over and over again. I watched A View to a Kill with Roger Moore last night. I bet I've seen that 15 times. I watched the whole thing. Just fast forward through commercials, but now, I watched that last night. We love action movies. In fact, in a book he, he quoted several movies to see if we liked them. I thought it was hilarious. But I'm going to try that this morning. I'm going I'm to quote a few movies and see if you guys can recognize these, okay? Here's the first one. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live at least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day on For one chance, just one chance, to come back and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. What movie is that? Braveheart. Yeah, yeah. How about this one? I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have any money. What I do have is a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Taken, that's right. Absolutely. How about this one? The worst thing happened to you that can happen to any fighter. You became civilized. Rocky, Rocky Three. I mean we've seen that. Too. Okay, one more. That's not a moon, that's a space station. Star Wars, you know what I'm talking about. We see these movies over and over and over. These are old movies and we still remember it because we love to watch action movies. And I'm just thinking, fellas, if you're like me, this is me, if you're like me, sometimes we trade in watching action for taking action. And instead of fighting for our wives and their honor we let our kids and our grandkids treat them like dogs and speak to them in ways they have no business there's no brave in a heart like that i'm telling you or instead of being passionate for our marriage and trying to work things out with the family we're passionate for the colts or the cubs or the weekend tournament we got Instead of fighting temptation, there's nobody home. So we just pick up the remote control and watch whatever it is we want to watch. Isn't that us? I mean, I don't need to pick on the guys here, but when you think about it, the very first human sin ever committed had to do with this very issue. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, when Eve accepted the apple, the Bible is very clear in what Adam was doing. Do you remember? Nothing He did nothing. He stood right there and watched her do that. And I'm just saying, if he'd have come to his senses and got up and done something, at least that story would have been different. And I want to remind us, gentlemen, you and I are responsible for setting the spiritual thermostat in our homes. And some of us need to turn it up. And if there's anybody in here today that's got a place in their life that they need to stop watching somebody else take action and take action on their own, you're in luck the altar will be open here in just a couple of minutes in fact it's open right now you can come right now if you want to last one i want to make sure that we understand there's a price to pay for not acting i'm I'm lovingly telling you the truth i don't care if you're a man or a woman or a child today if god's convicting you to do something and you don't do it there will be a price to pay we have a choice whether we obey or not it's called freedom of will we don't have any choice over the consequences. And most of the time you're not going to like them. One example from that in the Old Testament is 1 Samuel. It's the story of Eli. He was a priest and a judge in Israel. And he had two sons, Hophni and Phineas. They were priests too. Remember that story? And first as 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 21 says Hophni and Phineas were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord at all. And they weren't just telling bad jokes from the pulpit like I do, or picking on poor Crawl like I do, or going to Disney and spending their money. These were scoundrels, okay? They were stealing money from the plate. They were eating the meat that was supposed to be sacrificed to God. They were sleeping with the women who were working in the sanctuary. Scoundrels. No regard for the Lord. If you remember the story, this did not sneak up on Eli. He knew. And I'm just telling you, sometimes parents, grandparents, we see our kids going the wrong way. We see them addicted to the wrong things. We see him following the wrong theology, the wrong path, and we don't want to do anything because we don't want to alienate him. We don't want to drive him away. We don't want to make him mad. First Samuel 2:25 in the message version. By this t- time Eli was very old, he kept getting reports on how his sons were ripping off the people and sleeping with the women who helped out in the sanctuary. He knew, OK, God had warned him, he knew this was going on. Did he take it seriously? Come to his senses, wake up, it's an emergency. Message version, Eli says to his boys, what's going on here boys? I hear story after story about your corrupt and evil carrying on. Oh my sons, this is not right, he says. There's terrible reports I'm getting. Stories spreading right and left among God's people. If you sin against another person, there's help, God's help. But if you sin against God, who's around to help? Boy, he sure let them have it, didn't he? He put him in a word timeout. This is what Dr. Phil would call a, a threatening parent, like we talked about last week. And it's not like he didn't have a chance to make a difference. This was a judge and a priest. He could have made some changes. He chose easy over God. And God asked Eli at 1 Samuel 2.29, Why do you honor your sons more than me? The message version reads, Why do you treat your sons better than me? I told you last week, I'd lighten up this week, I lied, sorry. But I, I do promise you this, this is the last sermon in this series. I believe God's already moved on to something else. And I'm so thankful. We're gonna be talking about grace here very, very shortly. I don't like preaching these kind of sermons. Please understand, I don't. But we gotta be honest here. It's time for some of us to come to our senses and get up. In fact, in these last few weeks as we've been talking, if you've been convicted of something in your life that needs change, it's time to make the change. Again, if you've been convicted, there's a, uh, a relationship that needs to be stopped. You stop. If you don't, guess what you're choosing? You're choosing that over God. We talked about that last week. If God's convicting you about your lust, gentlemen, and you choose to go ahead and look at the websites, pull up the movies, read the magazines, and that kind of business, you've just chosen that over God. If he's uh, convicting you to give your time and your money and you don't have time or money, then guess what? You've picked that over God. I mean, you fill in the blank. If God's brought something to your heart and mind to change and you don't change it? Warning after warning. I will tell you the end of the story because I've gone this far. Hophni and Phinehas died, both of them, on the same day. And by the way, that's what the Bible says happens when God warns and warns and warns and sin is fully accomplished. James chapter 1 says, uh, each one is tempted when he's carried away by his own desires. Remember, God doesn't tempt anyone. And when that's conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full blown, it gives birth to death. It's not always physical death. It was here. But it can be relational death. If God's convicting you in the last few weeks to do something different in your marriage and you don't do it, your marriage could die. I'm just telling you. I'm warning you. God's warning If God's telling you in the last few weeks to do something different in your finances and you choose not to do it, your finances could die. He told me in the last few weeks to preach these sermons. If I didn't do that, my ministry could have died. There's always death involved with this thing. He wanted Eli to get up and fight for him and get up and fight for his family. And I think some of us, he wants to get up. Quit watching, quit praying, quit thinking and do something about it. Come to your senses and wake up. Now, we're going to come down here and do this this morning, but before we do, we're not for one minute. Please don't don't miss this. We're not going to one minute forget who's up at the altar when you come up here today. It's the father. You understand? I'm talking about the prodigal father. This is not really the story of the prodigal son. This is the story of the prodigal father, and he's here. You saw what he did when the son came home. Bob Russell tells a story about a family that had to put their dad in the nursing home. That's a tough decision a lot of you have had to make it. was nasty. But they came every Sunday to see him, his daughter, her husband, and their three kids. Every Sunday afternoon, they never missed, and he was always waiting for him out in the front. Sunday was his favorite day. As the years went by, uh, his mind kept getting weaker and weaker. And, you know, he, over the course of years, forgot some of their names occasionally. Couldn't find his way back to his room. He forgot what he had for lunch or that it was time to eat. And one Sunday afternoon, the family showed up as always, and he was out there waiting for him. They were checking to see how his memory was going. She said, Daddy, it's good to see you. He said, it's good to see you. And she said, you know what day it is? And he said, no, not really. And she said, well, Daddy, if you don't know what day it is, then how'd you know to wait for me today? You know, what he said, I wait for you every day. That's the Father we came into this building to worship today. You come to the altar this morning and you say, Lord, how in the world did you know this was the day that I was going to bring this idol and leave it at the altar? How did you know that wait for me today? I wait for you every day. How did you know that this would be the day that I accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior? I've heard Cain talk about it for week after week. How did you know today was the day? How did you know to be here? I wait for you every day. He's waiting for us every day. And the cost was this broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. You got something that needs to change? You, you need to come and accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? The product of father's here. That, let's not make him wait today.